This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Saris, a company that dedicates $100,000 every year to cycling advocacy programs. They also make the exceptional Magnus and Hammer indoor smart trainers, the kind that allow you to ride your bike around a fictional video game island from the comfort of your podcast partner's basement. All right, there you are. That's your guy. That's me? That's you. So start pedaling. Now, my podcast partner happens to be a competitive cyclist. He's been geeking out on these trainers for a month. But if you don't have someone explaining things to you in very granular detail, what you need to know is that Cyclops Smart Trainers convert your normal outdoor bike into a stationary bike and link it to your computer. This allows you to adjust pedaling resistance on the fly. And if you use virtual training software like Ruby or Zwift, the bike will react to the digital environment you're riding through. Slip in and draft behind the peloton, and you'll feel the difference. Jump on them, see? Oh, yeah, you could. There, see if you close the gap? Yeah, if you catch them, then you'll get a um, drafting boost, so it'll get okay. a little easier. Yeah, so now you're drafting. Hi, guys. Sarah's trainers are handmade in Madison, Wisconsin. Use Ruby or Zwift software, and you can race your friends or just other random online people anytime you want, which means even competitive cyclists podcast-producing new fathers can bring their ride inside and sacrifice nothing. And for me, you know, like on a busy day and, and watching Zev and just, you know, having no time during daylight to go out and train to to know that this is here that I can come down and have like a killer workout that's not just hard but also like fun to do is it's kind of been a game changer uh, I'm actually a, a year on into fatherhood I'm in shape again which makes one of us but I'm working on it what else do we need to talk about well I don't know I mean you've got 40 minutes before you get to the top of this climb so so Get comfortable. Pretty so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From Outside Magazine and PRX, this is the Outside Interview. I'm just going to test your guys' mics with Chris Katz. Hey, everybody. So, last week's episode about bee stings has gotten a huge response, but it was fairly intense as episodes go. And apparently a lot of you already had a healthy fear of bees that we tapped into. And since next week's episode is the grand finale of our survival series, and is also fairly intense and personal, we thought it would be smart to take a week off. Talk about something a little lighter. Like our editor-in-chief, Chris. It's kind of an open secret at Outside that Chris wants to be the best athlete in the world. Currently, he's probably fifth or sixth. Last spring, Chris was in town, and we went on a long run together. And no matter how far we went or how hard I pushed, he never even ran out of breath. Executive editor Mike Roberts told me that a couple different times, Chris has taken him backcountry skiing in order to ask him to do some project that Mike didn't want to do. Mike runs out of arguments as he runs out of oxygen, so by the time they get to the top, he's usually said yes to something or other. Last year, Chris really helped us out on the podcast. And so I asked around about his favorite indulgence. I wanted to send him a gift. Does he like a good IPA, whiskey, really fancy chocolate? And the only thing anyone could come up with was smoothies. He'll sometimes treat himself to freshly blended fruit. And then this month, which is easily my favorite example, for a feature in the magazine, writer David Ferry had members of the staff send in fecal samples to the American Gut Project so that they could have their microbiome analyzed. And everyone's microbiome came back perfectly normal, except for Chris. 
who was found to have a healthy colony of a bacteria normally only found in high-level athletes, Acromantia mucinophila. So this year, Chris is trying to take the rest of us with him. This January, Outside is partnering with the Whole Life Challenge, which turns the normal kind of New Year's resolution stuff into a team-based competition that feels like a game. It focuses on seven areas of your life that you can change. And they aren't crazy microbiome things. You get points for stuff like getting enough sleep, working out, drinking water. Stuff you may not think about anymore, but which can help you wake up each morning happier with more energy. Last week, the guys who started the Whole Life Challenge, Andy Petronic and Michael Stanvik, came through Santa Fe to talk to Chris. And they are not lacking energy. Their backgrounds are in CrossFit, but they're not just athletes. Andy was a classically trained trumpet player and has a master's in spiritual psychology. Michael studied psychology in undergrad and then worked as a chef before becoming a coach. So the challenge isn't just for super disciplined, super physical CrossFitters. It's a lens through which to look at your life and find easy improvements that can make a big difference. It's not just physical. There are some parts of the whole life challenge designed to add whimsy and fun to your daily routine. Anyway, here's Chris talking with Andy and Michael. We're here to talk about the whole life challenge, but I, I kind of want to start back in your CrossFit days. I mean, I think you started, you say, in about 2003, 2004 is yeah. when you found CrossFit. So that was the early, early days of CrossFit. How, how, did, how did you arrive there? I became a trainer kind of accidentally. I was a Red Bull athlete. I was doing adventure racing, and people started asking me how I got fit. And I was like, well, I do this, 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 and this. And I well, will you show me? And I'm like, okay. And then I was, you know, 2004, were, it was the very early days of taking businesses online and training people online. And, and so I was doing internet searches for, you know, training businesses that were online. And I stumbled into CrossFit. What CrossFit was, it was funny because I didn't even, didn't even occur to me that it was free, um, that the webs, that the WAD, I didn't know what the WAD was. And the, 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 what is the WAD? Workout of the day. Okay. Workout of the day. Um, you know, I, I was searching all over the site for this thing called the WAD, and it was right on the homepage. It was right <laughs> in front of me, and I could because I kept looking for where do you pay. It's got to be behind a firewall because every other fitness site, the 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 meat and potatoes was behind a firewall. Well, and some of their workouts were so kind of esoteric, and they didn't offer any explanations. It was like, here's what you're going to do. If you don't know what to do, don't ask us. Go figure it out. And so, you know, I remember my first introduce my first introduction on the CrossFit website. I I looked at this and I was like. What does that mean? It's a deadlift. One, 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 one. I was like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. You want me to just do one rep? What do you mean? And I sent them an email and didn't answer. And so, you know, it, it definitely Wait, was that by, by design, the way CrossFit was. Yeah, I, th I think they, they didn't want people to be they didn't want to be in the business of, of giving something out for free and then spending all their days answering emails. I mean, it turned out that you could there was always a thread going along. And they had really extensive com communication in forums, not from them, but from their community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I remember stumbling into their forum once and looking at the threads about pull ups. And I always considered myself a good pull upper. They were talking about. There was one thread about getting your first 25 pull-ups. I'm like, 25 pull-ups? It's a lot of freaking pull-ups. Really? There's a group of people working on 25 pull-ups? And then there was another thread, 40 pull-ups. I'm like, what, <laughs> what in the world is happening here? Like, who are these people? And, you know, I try. I remember trying a workout, and it, you know, it just, it, it looks so innocuous on paper. I, I, I looked at the thing. I don't remember what the workout was, but it, it just leveled me. And um, 
I just was intrigued. I was a former Marine. I was, you know, I'm intrigued by challenges that are harder than, than they, than they look. And, uh, it, I just kind of glummed onto it and I started experimenting with, I was, I would, you know, I would say that back in those days I was willing to experiment whether a lot of people weren't, you know, like I just said, the heck with it. I'm just going to try this for a few months. I ran a 5k and like my own measured 5k. And then I decided I'm going to eliminate all my other training because I was doing, I was probably training somewhere between 12 and 15 hours a week doing running and cycling because my background was all endurance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the premise of the, the original article that I read on CrossFit, what is fitness was that these short high intensity workouts could replace and very often reduce the amount of training volume that you had. And, uh, so I decided to put it to the test and I did CrossFit workouts for about three months and I came back to the 5k and I took two and a half minutes off my 5k time. Mm. And, uh, I was like, okay, I'm a believer. You know, it's a lot of work. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't radically different than what you were trained in as a, as a coach. Um, not functionally different. It was, it was more intense. It was more. Uh, I was pushing the envelope more frequently on my capability to keep going. And I was tested with about with my willingness to keep going and go beyond what I thought was I didn't even know reasonable. What, I didn't yeah, I didn't even know it was healthy or reasonable or whatever. Like the workout said do this three hundred times. Uh, oh, I, other people are doing it. I guess I could do that. Yeah, were well, you just doing? Were you were both of you? I wasn't there yet. Yeah. No, I didn't know. My and were you just doing this on your own? Yeah, I was. I was in a private training gym. Okay. So I was. It was a place I brought my clients. Most of the the crowd there was a. I, I call it geriatric. They weren't geriatric, but they were older. You know, they were very conservative. It was sets and reps on machines, and I was doing these crazy <laughs> workouts. I mean, I'd come in in a drenched in sweat. I'd I'd finish the workout. I'd collapse on the floor, like n- not knowing that anybody else was doing this too in the in the rest of the world. It's just what happened. I couldn't couldn't breathe, and uh, you know, it was very kind of an odd thing, especially these lifts, overhead lifts. I dropped steel plates on the ground and you know like everybody be looking at me like what is going on i think what was big really different about crossfit because again andy said the functional movement thing wasn't new and crossfit will even say we we didn't invent functional movement we didn't invent intensity but there was this element of variety and randomness like i mean and andy's i think his his uh, experience is a perfect example i'm going to get better at running by doing this enti- almost entirely random set of workouts that involve weightlifting, getting stronger, some 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 conditioning, but it wasn't directed towards kind of a periodization of working out and specificity around the thing that you were trying to get better at. And I think in that way, CrossFit was 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 very different from anything I understood before I came to it. You know, I I, I came from a just super traditional gym background. I stuck with that kind of routine for a very long time. Chest, shoulders, drives, back and buys. I did it all the time. I did it for years. I did that starting in college also. Yeah, and a leg day and... Yep. And you know, I little, never did leg days. I just ran instead of instead leg of days. some running on the treadmill. Like, why I, would I do squats when I'm running? So I'd been doing it for about 15 years, and I just I started to hate it. I started to hate it so much. I like started to dread to go to, going to the gym over doing almost anything else. So the internet was starting to become a place you could look for interesting stuff, and I started finding these things called like underground workouts and caveman workouts, and you know, I started doing much more random stuff. And somehow my mom was aware of what I was doing, and. And one day she was like, hey, I found an article in the newspaper that you might be interested in. And it was an article about Andy's gym, this crazy gym in Santa Monica that was doing this crazy workout. Well, that's one workout. of the things like, I'm, I'm fascinated about the rise of CrossFit. I think 
obviously it had this explosion in the last 10 years. Yeah. And when you look at, okay, it was this radical departure of the old, you know, big box gym where you go bodybuilding style bodybuilding style or just you know getting on the elliptigo and then doing it you know a few well, bench definitely. presses or something and it was, it was offering something like this is going to be incredibly difficult workouts well it required a particular kind of mindset you know like andy said it was like the willingness to push the edge and to want to do something different and, and it just happened for me to be at the time where i had to do something different or i was going to quit and I and I and I called Andy's gym and I and I went in for what was a, what they what was roughly called an intro at the time, um, and I went in and I was standing with Andy in the courtyard and we we're talking. He goes, "So, what what's the last workout that you did that was really hard?" I said, um, "I recently did 500 push-ups for time." And he goes, "Yeah, I think you're gonna like it here." <laughs> 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 and uh, I remember it took me about an hour and 15 minutes to do it. And after about two years of doing CrossFit, I did it again. It took me about 35 minutes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, it really, I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't, it's funny. I, since, since that methodology came into my life, not, I haven't stuck with a fitness regimen that long. I mean, it's, it's been nonstop now since 2006, um, the same kind of mindset about fitness and it's, it's, it's grown and changes. I've grown and changed and I'm a little, I take it a little easier on myself now that I'm in my forties than, than back then, but it's still the same ideas and it, it did, it did shift a lot of this idea of what you needed to do but obviously somebody like michael coming off up the street doing 500 push-up challenge that's not normal is not normal that's no, what i said normal. it took yeah. a certain kind of mindset yeah but so you know starting a gym like that in that era in the context of what was considered a normal workout was it hard for you to find it, it was hard at first? it was hard it was uh the first two years in fact it was touch and go you know i'd lose as many people as i gained i i i remember being stuck at about 60 people and and not know how to not without a without an idea of really how to grow. I I ended up hiring a business consultant, and we systematized basically everything that I had been doing in in a way that that you know we created levels, we created membership packages, we 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 business businessized this training you know program, and um and that's when kind of the business for me took off. Like we we went very quickly from 50 members to 100 members to 150 members, 200 members. And this was way before CrossFit became popular even. This was in, you know, we were at 250 members by 2010, 2009. The the real CrossFit explosion happened when they first hit ESPN and did the CrossFit Games, had the big event at the at the Carson Center and at the StubHub Center. Um and that was 2010, 2011. So what do you attribute the, like, the phenomenon of that sport to? The bringing together of community, competition, and around fitness. Like There was no context prior to CrossFit of using a stopwatch for workouts in the gym. There was no context that you could train as you were competing. Mm -hmm. it, it, just, it just wasn't present. It was a weird thing. And the, the combination of... You know, then, then uh, you know, Greg Glassman, he named some of the workouts and they had these, they had girl names, you know, Barbara and Helen and Fran and Grace. And that was kind of an interesting thing. Well, he, he attributed it to hurricanes. He was mm -hmm. like, it's like going through a hurricane. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't think people, you know, 
we're used to getting leveled by workouts the way CrossFit workouts did. Well, and, I, and, and I think I think that's a big deal, especially in America. People so like to push the envelope. I mean, in terms of the extremeness, like wh what's the most that I can do? How close to the edge can I actually get? I mean, it's really a, a and it's not obviously it's not only America because CrossFit has gone worldwide and it's popular in a lot of places. But I think it started here and it, and it took hold here because we like that kind of thing. You know, I th I think that 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 you know that's that's one of the big you know, kind of there's this risk of, of going too hard, too quickly, of looking around the gym. There's this energy when you come into a gym of all these people who are just going for it. And if you don't have the experience of going for it like that, you know, you run the risk of kind of, you know, hurting yourself. Yeah, I think I, I, I've experienced that going to a couple of CrossFit gyms, one that I left right away just because seeing what they would allow a first timer to do i just felt like i'm going to get injured this is not going to be healthy for me or you won't be able to walk for a week yeah you know yeah, or... this doesn't seem right and, and one of the things i think is interesting about crossfit is i think you know people are really sort of proprietary and opinionated about their diets like i'm a paleo person yeah. and, and i'm and sort of dogmatic about it or i'm i'm vegan and i'm dogmatic about it CrossFit was the sort of first workout that right. elicited that same like, are you a CrossFit person or you're not a CrossFit person? Well, and it got and it got it got this reputation of being like a cult because of that because people became so a language. Well, I mean, it it was so fun and people became so obsessed about it. They liked to talk about it all the time and and people started to get the impression that it was like it was it was unhealthy. It was taking over your lives and and you know I I think one of the one of the things that got glossed over was these were good movements. I mean, people should be moving like this, but, you know, saying that people should be moving like this at the highest intensity possible from the very start was, was, was really where some of the problems started. And we, we really tried our best to scale everything for people from the very start so they could learn what the movements were like without hurting themselves. Let's talk about the whole life challenge. So you've got this gym six, seven years. We actually went to the, we actually had a team going to the CrossFit games in 2011. Okay. okay so yeah, great. we were very competitive. We were very, you know, well, we had a group of, that was very competitive, but we also, you know, I think one of the reasons why we were able to cultivate a, a, a thing like the whole life challenge that's so a bit like the antithesis of a challenge that you would expect at a CrossFit yeah, gym. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to get into a little bit is I think that people are surprised. Yeah. Well, I think the thing to understand is it didn't start in the form that it's in today. I mean, we were really looking to implement a nutrition program that worked. How do we make a nutrition program work with people that gets them to follow it? People do CrossFit regularly because it's fun. How do we make a nutrition program fun? You know, I said, what if we just had people do a score? What, what, what a scoreboard in this look like? And so Andy and I created a scoreboard that was like, you could earn points for, for the workout. You could earn points for nutrition. You could earn points for this, um, for, for taking fish oil and for stretching. It still was very nutrition and fitness based. And it was eight weeks long. We overlaid it on top of these fitness challenges that CrossFit LA had been doing for years. And what were the parameters on there? You had, you had movement. You had, we get three points for nutrition every day. So if you ate, you went, and, and the nutrition levels was, was one level. It was a strict, it was a pale, basically paleo, paleo diet. Um, and if you, if you deviated off of that, if you ate a non-compliant food, you subtracted one point from your nutrition score uh, down to zero. You couldn't go negative. You still can't. And then you got one point if you exercised, one point if you stretched, and one point if you took your fish oil. Um, we also had a bonus structure where every week we would introduce a practice. And, 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 and at, that, at that time, it was a lot of different things. It was sometimes it was like practice a skill. Sometimes it was pack your own lunch every day. Sometimes it was, we had one really favorite one called Be That Guy, 
where you had to have the experience of going into a restaurant and sitting down and asking, be that guy, asking all the questions. Is there sugar in this? Is there this in this? Is there that? And if you completed that over the course of the week, you got some bonus points. So, I mean, that was the basic structure. About 50% of our clients participated. A typical fitness challenge had about 30. So we knew that we had touched on something that people were really interested in. We had this information night about uh, three days before the challenge actually started. And um, the gym was just packed. We had to open the windows. People were standing in the parking lot. You know, everybody, everybody was ready for something like this. Um, and, uh, and man, was it fun. It, you know, every, every, I mean, every day. It was the conversation in class. We, you know, we, Michael and I were always very interested in, in getting people to be more responsible for the choices they made outside the gym and not look to us to tell them what to do. You know, like, because we couldn't. We could not be the coaches, not just Michael and I, but our whole staff. You can't coach people. You can't. What, are you going to move in with them? I mean, some personal trainers do move in with their clients, but, you know, they're also getting paid $5,000 a week to do that and kind this of was, thing. This was really about, it's like, I'm no longer going to give you permission or not. I, you know, here's the list of food. Do what you want, but you lose a point if you eat something on this list of food. So it's totally up to you. It forces you to actually engage with that choice. You go, ooh, I don't want to lose the point. It's not worth losing a point. They started to they started to bond with each other. They started to ask each other questions. They started to talk about restaurants that they that had compliant foods. They started to talk about compliant elements, like when you go to Whole Foods, what are the what are the things you, what are the snacks you could shop for? They would create was food a- co-ops. So on the weekend, um, I would cook you know, 10 meals for the week. And then you would cook 10 meals and Andy would cook. And we'd get together and we would just swap meals. So we'd have all these different foods, the meals to eat for the, over the course of the they week. They would research restaurants. Like there was a, I remember California chicken cafe was a, was a, was a restaurant that everybody loved to go to. It was had, had these great rotisserie chicken. And <laughs> like three weeks into the challenge, people had been going to the to California chicken cafe, assuming it was a good place to go. And, and, Three weeks into the challenge, one of the one of the members, I think it was Steve Goldsolber. I think so, or Anthony Guagliano. He was that guy and asked the question. He was that guy, yes, he did, and it, and he found out there was sugar. It was in the, the last ingredient in the topping in the, when they before they the baked rub. it. The rub they had some sugar in so it, did you and take all out of a sudden, points yes, nobody could go. <laughs> we no, we didn't make everybody go back. I think Michael might have um, made well, him do that. Yeah, Michael we, was very much of a points. Uh, <laughs> well, I, yes. yeah, I mean we. we <laughs> we, you know, but it was fun. It was it was fun in those days. Yes, you know, we had fun. a very good relationship with all of our clients, and we knew them all personally. We saw them all the time, so it was different. So it's today. like we could really, I could really stick it to them, and they knew they knew I had their 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 sort of best in, best intentions. I had one guy came to me once. He goes, "Okay, what if I eat a meal <laughs> and somebody had put sugar in it, but they didn't tell me, and I ate it? Do I lose a point?" And I looked at him. I said. Well, if somebody put cyanide in your meal and they didn't tell you, would you still die? <laughs> and they said, yeah. And I was like, so you have your answer. <laughs> now, that's, it's not the way that we handle it anymore. And, that, and it's fine. But that was, it was a totally different experience. And, and everybody had a, re, a really good time. And, and, and when the finals rolled around, I mean, we had the highest level of attendance of, of anything we well, had. What about that process of tweaking the whole life challenge as you've gone? So you had that first one. So, so, then, so then, you know, as, as, the, as the, the membership grew and as we grew from our gym to a worldwide challenge and we started getting more and more feedback from people, we found there were people who were interested in us touching on other things. Like, how do you make this more whole life? You know, and so we started addressing aspects like sleep and like water, mostly in the bonus categories to start with, because we really didn't know how to address sleep from a, a, an individual level. Like, well, we're going to tell you, you can earn your points for seven hours of sleep, but it's not really fair across the board, shift workers and parents. 
Um, and it took us a while to come up with a way to in- incorporate sleep in a way that allowed you to, to choose what your improvement was going to be. Yeah, so t- t- walk me through. So you, when you incorporate something like sleep, um, well, we okay. So it was. How a, did you guys? How did you guys make decisions about that? We decided to let them d- d- decide for themselves. What's a good night's sleep? If you're sleeping five hours of sleep night, five hours per night, five hours per night now, what would be a? How would you feel eight weeks from now if you look back and you got X number of hours? What would make a difference? Five, five and a quarter, five hours and 15 minutes. If that would make a difference to you and, and that is a small step toward your long-term goal of maybe it's an eight-hour goal eventually, you should make it five hours and 15 minutes and see if you can do that. We also, we went from having fish oil as a, as a category to having supplement as a category because we wanted to give people the option to take something that they thought would make a difference. And as we went, we never really felt authentically good about the supplement category because we didn't really like the supplement industry very much people we didn't really we weren't really able to give people an idea of what supplements they should be taking individually and we knew that sleep was a far more important category but we didn't know how to do it and finally one year we just committed to it we're putting sleep in and like andy said i can't remember who came up with it if it was andy or if it was a staff member but it was like well that's it i mean that's it just let them decide just and it's not like what would be perfect it's what would be an improvement and you and so usually like, the smaller the better the smaller increment the better like be successful what if you were what if you were you were sleeping five hours a night now and most people don't know so that's the first thing is you got to figure out or guess what you're where you're at now your average what if it was five what was five minutes more I mean I don't know what's the smallest amount that you could improve it's just being willing to be in the game of making small improvements because really what we're looking at is making small sustainable changes that last 20 years not that are good for the challenge it's why we set the challenge up in the format that it is it it's not intended to to go hard go home you know do do 6 weeks of intense training and be in this thing and then go back to your life and then gorge on a pizza the day after the challenge that, ends. that that's just doesn't work it just doesn't work so you know anybody can survive a 6 week boot camp that's not what we're after. We're after long-term change. And long-term change comes with the willingness to make these small changes and not not get upset when they're not big enough. Well, and we really encourage people from the very start to use the scoring system as a method of like of, of, of getting a visual representation of their progress, not to earn all the points possible. Because what we found is people who earned all the points possible, come, you know, hooker by crook, melted down at the end of the challenge because they had they had had no leeway it was it was it wasn't those people well, I, I know it was me yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> i mean right, I, right. I, I can't speak for michael but i did i melted down after challenges there so was the no culture question. really became look you have to start asking yourself what's worth it how do you incorporate these changes into your life not how do you make this an eight-week progress process but, but we added things like decluttering we added things that were not necessarily associated with health and well-being although they are they are very much a piece of health and well-being and and that's when this we, we just in this past year Michael came up with this idea you know these lifestyle practices while they are lifestyle they're really more uh, in a con- uh, in a context around well-being like setting your life up to take care of these internal elements that are not necessarily even visible to other people or measured or or measured right one of the things that en- that happened that kind of set this off was we had focused in on the lifestyle practices being different different mindfulness practices so it was how you are with your electronics when you're with people it was sort of a, it was introducing a level of mindfulness into your space into your electronics into gratitude 
And, you know, Andy had been, he'd been, he'd been had this idea about music for a long time for, for, um, uh, it was one of the practices, you know, picking a song that made you happy and playing it every day. And it just didn't really fit with this idea of mindfulness. But one challenge, we decided just to do it. We just do it. And we did it. And people thought it was super fun. It was a great kind of less, less intense week. It was light and it really worked. I liked doing it. And so Andy said to me afterwards that I really wish there was a way that we could incorporate more lightness into the lifestyle practices. And I started thinking, well, he's right. He's totally right. And, and we'd have to change the context a little bit from mindfulness to something else. And so it expanded uh, into this idea of, of a well-being mindset. Like, does your mindset allow for acceptance and gratitude and joy, which is really what the music thing brought up, um, of compassion or kindness includes mindfulness um, and, and having fun. Like your life, your life, your, your health, your well-being, your, not just your mental experience of life, but your physical experience of life has so much to do with how you look at the world. And so this is as much about developing those kind of qualities of mindset on top of the physical fitness and the health. We think now of the sort of, this is, this is anchored in health and well-being, health and fitness, because everybody wants that, but it's, it really develops a, a much bigger umbrella of well-being than physical health and fitness. But that's like the heart of the engineering of this is like, you, you guys don't want to be in the position of, of playing God on, until Not deciding like, right. this is what a healthy lifestyle looks exactly. like. And there's that's so why, many parameters on and that. And that's why there's, that's why I really like the, the, the well-being part of the practice, because it does allow us to experiment in so many different ways. And there are people who like certain ones and don't like other ones. There, and there are people who will, will, will pick one up and will do it the rest of the challenge and give themselves credit for it. I mean, we don't, we don't tell people they can't do that. So the rule officially is that you do the lifestyle practice we announce. But look, if you decide that meditation is the thing or writing a thank you note every day of the challenge is the thing that's going to really push the envelope and make a difference in your life, and you want to keep doing that every week of the challenge and give yourself credit? Absolutely, you should do that. Right. So, and, and, and that's the same way we've been about fitness and nutrition as well. We don't want to dictate to you what's the best workout, what's the best meal plan. It's set yourself up with some rules and then evaluate your daily progress by it. You pick the workout. You pick the intensity. You pick the meal plan for yourself. You set up the rules and you say, yes, I did it. and No, I didn't. It's really about the accountability and the awareness of your choices. I imagine, though, the food has been a Pandora's box over the years. Yeah, so. people have a hard time with it. You know, Well, we were very adamant at the beginning that it was paleo. There's a very strict level. And I remember one of the first meetings we had with uh, one of our friends that we brought on to help us manage the business. He's like, guys people in the you know people other than in this little bubble that we live in in Santa Monica they're, they're just not going to do it they're just i mean they're going to look at it it's so like we we started thinking about cuz we 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 were talking about a company that had a a a, a stable of truck drivers who were considering doing the whole life challenge like <laughs> Really? We're going to ask a a, a, a a company with 400 truck drivers to never eat a sandwich, to never eat a, to lose all their points for, for you know, not eating paleo? Are you kidding? It's not even available. They couldn't possibly do it. The interesting thing that, that we had to realize is, Andy called it a bubble. In, in, in LA. We're like a bubble on a bubble on a bubble. Yeah. I mean, it's know? like this idea of paleo. It just seemed so obvious to us. It didn't occur to us that somewhere in the Midwest, people hadn't heard of this and weren't interested in doing it. They don't have Whole Foods around the corner they don't have anywhere to get some of the things that are we have three i have four, i have three four trader joe's within 
two miles of my house. Yeah, I can. I have where, three Whole Foods. Wherever I am in town, I can stop at Whole Foods and, and go to their hot foods bar and get a yeah. decent meal. So it is a know, bubble for sure. Yeah. So we impl- we started to implement like we wanted to keep it. You know, we wanted to keep with the spirit of, of eating well. So we designed what we called three levels. We have we kept the paleo level, which we call performance. We we created what we call a lifestyle level, um, which is much more like a Weston A. Price or or a, or a Mediterranean diet. It allows for things like yogurt and, and whole grains. And then we created it was specifically with these truck drivers in mind. What we called the Kickstart. Well, I was also thinking about my father-in-law, who yeah. who uh, you know, like if I was if I was sitting down with my father-in-law. Uh, and I was trying to design something for him. What I would, because t- I'm not going to see him again. He's going to go back to his life. He comes out to LA. I'm going to see him for a week. Hey, Andy, what should I do if I'm on my own? Cut out the beer, cut out the pasta, cut out the cereal in the morning for breakfast, and um, stop eating dessert. Stop eating dessert. Let's, let's just cut it there. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with that. Eat anything else you want. Just let's start with cutting the, and I think we came up with five things. Yeah, well, because out. we had basic categories. We have that grains category, the dairy category, the alcohol category, you know, the, 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 uh, what we call the artificial ingredients category. So the grains category, the grains and starches was bread and pasta. You know, the, the, uh, al- the, the beverage category was beer and soda. You know, the, um, the dairy category really was cheese. The, the artificial ing- ingredient category became like junk food, fried food. And the sugar was just don't eat dessert, no candy, no dessert. If you put sugar in your coffee, fine. If there's sugar in the in the sauce that you buy at the supermarket, fine. So it really was designed to not force people into a box that they weren't going to fit into. Yeah. So you, you guys said earlier, I think you you've had 18 challenges. Thus Something far? like that. I think it's and 17 you've, or 18. You've both done all of them. Yeah, at some level or another. Yeah. Like so, sometimes. So, so sometimes there's that like. I don't want to do that. So what, what there's always an, I don't want to do that at this well, point. <laughs> well, what, is, what is it? What is it that, that you're feeling at that point? The biggest, the two, are there two distinct challenges? I remember, I don't remember which ones they were, but two times when I've been like, I just am not going to do this. And I, and each time, you know, we've never told each other that it's a requirement that we do them. Yeah. And each time that I've gone into starting the challenge with, I'm not doing the challenge. I'm just going to log my score every day. And if I lose five points, which I did a lot of times from nutrition, I would not work out. I would, you know, I would get really what I would consider crappy scores each day. Each time I have been drawn in by the momentum of the community, by the energy of the people on my team, by watching what they're doing. And then, and me going, well, God, you know, if they're doing it, I, I can, I can do a little better. I can, I can make some better choices. Come on. Well, and when you start to look, it's hard not to make choices that are better. It really is. I mean, if you just shine a light on something it's really easy to start. It's hard to not make changes around because you become so aware of the choices that you're making. And well, because not. you're willing to start. Like that's really the key is, is a willingness to, to start, a willingness to show up to the starting line, not just pay the money, but, but start. Well, and, and you, you, know, you ask what, what, what comes up. Look, there's a part of every person that doesn't want to do something like this. Be they handcuffed in any they way. They don't yeah. want to be limited in any way. Um, and we're just like we're just like anybody else. Um, and and one of the things I've I've always told people is you don't have to want to do it to do it. You know uh, you know uh, willingness or wanting to do it is not a prerequisite for starting to do it. One of the things that people really start to learn when they participate in the challenge or anything like this is that like limitations are good. I mean, limitations force you to think about your life more. They actually force you to be more creative about your life. Um, they get you out of ruts that you're in. 
because you all of a sudden you're like, well, I can't, I'm not allowed or I'm not allowing myself to do the things that I used to do. What's something new I could do? It like it, it, it actually opens up new worlds to you. It forces you to think a different way about your life. And so and that I think always starts to inspire people once they get started. And the reason I get started, even when I don't want to, is because I know that's going to happen. So what's the advice uh, you're doing the challenge and your partner is not doing the challenge? How to survive that? You mean like your like wife your, or your, your husband or, or your, your husband? You or, know what? I have direct experience with that because for the I'm first, sure, yeah. the first three years of running the challenge, my wife wouldn't do it. My wife wouldn't do it mostly because there were things in her life that were really important to her lifestyle and to the way she felt, like wine, that that we didn't allow. There was no kickstart level, so you weren't allowed wine. And she she's like, look, I, I don't want to go off wine, I, and I don't want to feel bad about myself for going off wine. And finally. Uh, I mean, this isn't really answering your question. Finally, I, I convinced her, like, go ahead and have your wine. Don't even deduct a point. Just just jump in and do it. And she did. But but it 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 is definitely harder when you're when the then when you don't have alignment in your house, especially if you're eating meals together. But you know, one of the things that Julia was really good about was never she never had an expectation that that or a judgment against me for doing what I was doing. It was never, there was never a negative context. There were some really uncomfortable moments like when she would have a barbecue or she would invite a bunch of people over to the house and have a barbecue and she would plan a menu and the menu was not paleo. In fact, most of the things on the item were not compliant with the whole life challenge and I, she was expecting me to cook. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And she baked brownies and I mean like these, just these unbelievable, like this is not required. I, if I was telling a client to set themselves up for the challenge, go through your pantry, go through your refrigerator, just get rid of it, get it out of your house, get all the stuff. Out. Here she was not only having it, but making it and yeah, the yeah. smells in my house. It was crazy. <laughs> well, and I think it, it, it definitely depends on what kind of, how, how your partner is about it. Yeah. Like if they're not willing to do it, it's usually fine. Like you don't, you guys don't have to talk about it all the time. All you have to do is make your changes. It might make it a little difficult to clear out the kitchen, um, it'll be, it'll affect the restaurants you go to, you know, it'll, it'll definitely, but you know, I, I have a friend who did it, who did it years ago with her family, her husband, he's, he expects a certain kind of dinner on the table. What he doesn't, he doesn't care what anybody else is eating. It really mattered that he had a, a particular meat and potatoes kind of dinner every night. So she did the challenge and she did it with her kids and she would just make a little extra, whatever she throws some potatoes in and she'd cook them for him. And he never had to, he really never had to experience it in any way that, that mattered to him. And her and her family's nutrition habits have completely changed for the rest of their lives. I mean, this was five years ago, and I just went to visit them in Australia. And when their her kids would come home from school, they'd go right to the fridge, and they would eat things like vegetables, and they know how to pack their own lunch, and they know how to pack it in realistic ways. But, you know, I think as long as, long as you have your commitment to it, everybody's going to have a challenge about it. If it's not your partner, it might be your friends. You know, some people— It's going to be the office, or it's going to be, you know, in, in, in Hollywood, it's craft services, you know? There's Just always going to be crazy. an element of it's somewhere in your life that wants to drag you back, that wants to go, why are you doing this? You're making this so difficult for us. Just enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. Come on. You're making this too strict or whatever. Yeah, why are you being so extreme about this? As if, as if, not, as, as if eating fruits and vegetables and meat and nuts and not drinking a lot of booze, it was extreme. We, had, we actually had a, a group of guys who did the challenge very early on, this team of four guys. And, you know, they were a typical group of young guys who'd go out and eat pizza and beer and all, all that kind of stuff. And they decided to do the challenge together. And they sort of changed their— Not our typical 
no. challenge, bro. You know, bunch of bros in their twenties. Like it's not normal that we have twenty-year-old guys doing that. And time. you know, over the course of the eight weeks, they, you know, they they incorporated it into the group of people who would have given them a hard time about it. They started and, giving um, each other a hard time about about being not compliant. So they would get, to, they'd still get together on Friday nights, but they would like cook dinner and they'd make something that was compliant. And over the course of the challenge, the I think between the four of them, they lost about 150 pounds. So we we do a joke that they used to have, they had they lost an entire team member, you know, <laughs> based on I mean based on who they were they were each about 150 pounds. You know, they got back to the weight and the and the look and the confidence that they had when they were in college when they were all athletes and they weren't in the workforce and they weren't you know they hadn't let themselves go and you know I mean and there's a limit to how fortunately they were only five or six years away from that. So it was maybe easier for them to get back to those weights, but um, it was really kind of remarkable what they were able to do. But so it, so I, maybe, maybe to, to, to the point of the question, if your partner's not into it, find somebody who is, you know, find, find another partner, find, no, <laughs> find a friend who wants to do the challenge, find a you. friend who lives halfway around the world, you know, who's willing to be your partner online and fi- figure out a way to, you know, it's like having a workout partner. It's always more effective to have someone in the challenge that is that that, that has some meaning for you in your life. Yeah, and, and some people have said, look, my partner didn't want to do it, but they didn't care that I was doing it. I cooked dinner, so they just ate what I ate. So they sort of, they kind of like, it was like secondhand challenge. Like they ate what I ate. They actually lost weight too. They were happy about it. They didn't, they didn't have to do all of the other things, but they didn't give me, a, you know, give me a hard time about it. The, the key, I think, is having some part of your life that does support it. Um, even if the person that you're with or you're living with isn't giving you a hard time about it. Let's go eat. I'm in. All right. (laughs) Pizza? (laughs) Yeah, let's go get some pizza. That was Chris Kyes, Andy Petronic, and Michael Stanwyck. The next Whole Life Challenge starts January 20th. You can sign up on Outside Online. Just do a search for Whole Life Challenge and Outside Magazine. You'll find it. This piece was produced by Robbie Carver and myself. It was brought to you by Ceres, which helps you bring your ride inside without sacrificing fun or fitness. The Outside Podcast is a production of PRX and Outside Magazine. We'll be back next week with another Science of Survival.